Yes, yes, here we go. We are live. We are back in action on our way to Super Bowl 55. It's time to take a deep dive into the teams that are still alive. Welcome back for another edition of the Power 32 podcast brought to you by Anchor Radio and presented by the Sports Column. My name is Jason Fearman, and you can find me on Twitter at SportsProfit1. So, the Bucks and the Chiefs will play for the Lombardi Trophy, and we're still a little bit over a week away. However, there's a lot more going on in the NFL, and we got to talk about it. And by we, I mean my special guest on Power 32 today as we go overseas and make the magic happen. Mr. Peter Jones, pro football history in the house from the UK. What is happening, my friend? Hi, Jason. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. It's a real pleasure to have you on. I know we got a five-hour difference, so it's a little bit later for you over there. So how is your day going? How are things, man? Uh, it's pretty It's pretty good here. I, I guess like most people, we're, you know, we're in lockdown here, so trying to, just trying to stay safe and uh, keep away from people, as it were. But, yeah, it's, it's, going, it's going pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you say, it's 7 o'clock in the evening here. It's pitch black outside, um, but I'm really excited to be here. Oh, man, I'm really, really excited to have you. This is great. I'm glad that we were able to get this together. Um, yeah, even again, overseas for the technical issues to go on nowadays, we're making it happen. And guys, we're here to talk about football, NFL, nothing but NFL football. That's what it's all about over here right now. And my man from the UK, when you say football, obviously we're thinking about a different sport to get started real quick. And I just agree right off the bat. Anytime I ever talk to anybody overseas and they say football, yes, that's the proper word for that sport. I don't know why they call football here, you know, the American football, because they kick it once in a while. And by the way, I hate kicking in the game. I think it should be completely banned. So, you know, they should have called it handball or beat the hell out of you ball. I don't know what, but I'm with you guys. And it doesn't make any sense. Well, I don't, I don't know what to say to that. We, um, yeah, I mean, it does, it does, it does get, it does get confusing. I mean, we, you know, we never call it soccer over here. It's right. always, it's always football. It's always been football. It always will be football. But so do you have to like differentiate? Do you have to call it all right, American football? Do you say that? Yeah. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, 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 so mostly over here, you know, in the newspapers or on TV, it, it, it's called American football. Right. Okay. Well, that that's what makes sense. I, I guess that's the only thing they come up with. I mean, it's how stupid they are. And going by presidential elections and all that stuff, not that we're a political show, it shows how dumb we are. But let's get into other sudden dumb things like the quarterback carousel over here. But before we do that, actually, I just want the audience to know a little bit about you, Peter. Look, I know that you've been on a million different shows. I know that you focus a lot on the Browns and the Packers, but, you know, tell us a little bit more about you and how you got into the game and everything. And, you know, just a a little bit of history, whatever you want to say. Yeah, sure. So I I live in a part of the part of the UK where there is lots of um, US Air Force bases around here. Ah. And and, and when when I was a kid in the in the late 70s, my next door neighbor was from Madison, Wisconsin, and he, he was a big Packers fan. And I was just a kid and 
he got me started, you know, learning about the Packers, and I thought it was such a cool thing. And we didn't even have um, American football, football on TV back then. Right. Um, but he got me started as a as a Packers fan, and and back then, you know, way before 9-11, you know, we were able to go on base on the U.S. Air Force bases. So I would go on base and, and, and watch games, and he taught me how to listen into the American Forces Network and listen to and listen to games so i listened to a lot of games on radio before i ever really saw a lot of games on tv um which, which which gave me quite an interesting perspective i guess and and because you know you kind of got whatever game the american forces network chose to broadcast that sunday evening sunday evening our time um you know, you, you weren't able to concentrate so much on one team. So so in a way, it gave you a broader perspective because you had to listen to the commentaries on on every team, whichever games that they played. Huh. Um, and, so, and so although I grew up as a, a Packers fan and, and still am a, a Packers fan, I really grew up as a, as, a, as a football fan generally. And as somebody that loves history anyway, the whole history of football was, was really, you know, it was really my thing and, and still is. Oh, that's great. I love it. Then. That's pretty awesome right there. Not even not even being able to watch it, but taking in the love, almost like reading a book of like your favorite author or something. Yeah. You get to hear these games. Yeah, that, that's great. That's great. Falling in love with something before you even get to see it. Yeah. And, and, and of course, you know, as, as, as a kid, you have this imagination. And so and so yeah. in, in a way, it was for a little while, at least it was more interesting because you were trying to imagine what was going on and and everything that they were they were talking about, you know, you were trying to learn what it was that they were saying, what it meant. Um, and, and to a degree, I guess it probably helped on, on the radio because it was a lot more descriptive than, oh, yeah. than trying yeah. to, trying to watch it on TV. So yeah. And it was, it, it was a really cool thing. Um, what's funny about it is because the American forces network was broadcast from Germany, the signal over here in the UK wasn't very good. And you had to get the you had to get the radio in exactly the right place in the house, at the right angle, and oh. and it would fade in and out. And as the evening go went on, there would be this Spanish opera singer that would appear. So you'd, <laughs> you, so, so you'd get halfway, you'd get halfway through a play, you know. Um, I don't know back then, you know, Bradshaw drops back to throw, and then the next the next thing you've got some Spanish opera singing. <laughs> opera singer singing and they're on to the next play so you've even got to try and work out what happened on that previous play but it's um oh my God. <laughs> i've never heard that anything like that before that is absolutely awesome that's, <laughs> that's so old school man and i i love that wow that is great man really interesting peter you know what you mentioned one thing also in there that caught my curiosity which is a whole nother subject that i'm into and that's ufos i don't want to give anything away but you <laughs> That you live near a lot of army bases and yeah. know that they like to appear over there. I was wondering, you ever seen anything interesting in the sky? I, I haven't, but uh, not so long ago, there was a report in a newspaper over here about people that had supposedly seen something in a town which is about 10 miles from here. Ah. Um, but no, I've never, I've, I've, I've never seen anything 
Unfortunately. Ah, unfortunately or fortunately. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not sure which. You don't know if we're meeting the malevolent or the benevolent kind. That's like, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, keep your eye on the sky, man. I've seen a few, but that's a story for another day that we'll talk about behind the scenes. I've never been abducted, just uh, to get to that. <laughs> never have. Thank God. Or at least I don't think so. You know, no memory wiping, you know. <laughs> All right, man. Let's talk some football, brother. It's uh, neighborhood news is what we uh, like to call it to start it out. And we're, let's just focus on the quarterbacks, to be honest. And not just the quarterbacks, but the teams that are looking for brand new quarterbacks now. You know, so we're going to go around the coaching carousel. And it's really should I say or should I go, you know, back to that old song. Should I stay or should I go? <laughs> so really is it, the question is, do you trade this guy or do you not trade him? And let's try to figure out where he ends up. But we know the latest news is Deshaun Watson has now demanded a trade now that the Ravens uh, assistant uh, coach, Dave, David Culley, excuse me, is now the Texans head coach, not Eric Bieniemy, who um, may have kept Deshaun Watson there. So it's over. Deshaun Watson said, I, I want to trade. And look, I guess he'd be willing to sit out. He's really at that point. So they got to trade this guy. They can't trade him in conference, even though the Colts would love to have him. The Titans would love to have him, Peter. But let's go to reality. If they do trade him in the AFC, what would be a realistic spot or in the NFC? And, you know, we're hearing the Jets. We're hearing the Bears. Um, though, he even said he wanted to go to the Jets, so I need him to get a little, you know, psycho and analyze before that because I don't know why you want to want to go to the Jets. <laughs> but uh, that's not thing altogether. So you know, again, there are places that he would want to go and places that he can go and cannot go due to you know salary cap issues or whatnot. But if things can get worked out, I don't know. Imagine him taking over in Philly. You know, Indy would be a great spot, but he's not going to end up going there. So. What teams cross your mind now that we know he's demanding a trade and likely it will happen? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think the Jets is the first one, but that's because that's being widely reported as being a place of interest, shall we say. But I but I, I I'm I'm with you. I can't imagine why anybody would voluntarily want to go to the Jets right now. Yeah. Um, you know, and but if but if that did happen, you then you then start asking the question about what does that mean for Sam Darnold? Where does he end up? And, and so on and so forth. You know, the whole carousel starts. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you, if we put the Jets to one side, then then I think there's a number of places that that he possibly could end up. But it, it's going to be a question of whether, uh, you know, as you suggested, whether or not the Texans would want to make a trade with a team in conference, because you know that that stuff just has a habit of coming back to bite you at some point, doesn't it? Yes, it does. We've seen it in the past plenty of times, even like when Brett Favre went over to the Vikings, you know, a couple of years later after a year yep. Jets, and he was able to beat up on Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. So that probably felt pretty good for him. But that's just one example. Yeah. I yep. mean, looking at the realistic possibilities, look, I'm a 49er fan, so I would love to have him. Is it realistic? Is it possible? I don't know. We got the Jimmy Garoppolo contract and he's a guy I want to ask you about where he fits because I don't like him as a 49er fan being the guy. Yeah, obviously he helped bring us along to a Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but anybody who knows anything about American football knows that he wasn't that dude. What about the possibility, and it's very hard with the cap, of the New Orleans Saints? I, I don't think James Winston's the guy, and I definitely don't think it's Taysom Hill. So it's either they go after somebody who's out there, like maybe a Matthew Stafford or through the draft or – Deshaun Watson over there would make them a Super Bowl team instantly. 
yeah abs ab absolutely and he's only got to move about th about three hours east to do to do that yeah but but um i i think it depends on 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 whether the saints think that Taysom hill is the man mm. um I, I don't i don't think he is me you know and you know i i think you know he's he's done an, ex an excellent job in the kind of bit part roles that they've, that they've had him that they've had him play but that's a Heck of a different situation having to go in there and, and lead it and lead a team and lead a team long term. Let's face it, Taysom Hill is a thirty, I think. Um, so he's not he's not the long term answer anyway. You know, right. he, it, you know, even if he did have all the all the skills. So I, I don't think it's beyond the realms of of possibility that he could could end up with the Saints. But I think the question there is, what do the Saints think? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the 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 one that comes to my mind, and this is in, this in this is in conference, and it and it may sound kind of odd to begin with, is is Miami. That's not odd. Go ahead, because I, I, I want to feed off of what you're saying. That's not odd at all. Go ahead. Well, yeah, and and there's there's a you know there's there's obviously been a relationship there anyway between Miami and 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 the Texans with the with the recent trades over the you know the last couple of years. Laramie Tunsil and what and what have you, and although Bill O'Brien's gone, you know there is that relationship. But I think that to me, it's it's not beyond the realms of possibility that that Watson would go to Miami, Tua would go back in the opposite direction to Houston mm -hmm. as as part of that trade, along with a number of draft picks. And I and I'd have to sit and work out how many. <laughs> how many draft picks they would be willing to send and what Houston would be wanting to accept. But, you know, from Houston's perspective, that trade would work for me because, because they still end up with a young quarterback, you know, a, poten a potential starter for the next decade. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and, you know, hopefully for them, they'd get back um, the number one draft pick that they sent to, sent to Miami that they don't have this year. Exactly. Um, so, you know, and, and from a cap perspective, you know, at this stage in Tua's career, you know, he's not that, albeit he's a number one draft pick, but he's but he's not that expensive from a cap perspective. Houston's going to have to eat a bit of cap anyway with regard to the to the Watson trade because, you know, that signing bonus is going to accelerate this year. Um, but, you know, Miami just seems like a possibility for me. And Miami makes a lot of sense. And look, the second that they trade Deshaun Watson, and we know that they are, the team is in complete rebuilding mode. And if they do it with Miami, just to play off of what you said, and and I'm with you. I, look, I, I don't love it because I want to give two a time or whatever. I live in Miami. I'm originally from New York, so I hear a lot of this chatter on the radio. So I get it. And it does make sense for both teams. Again, if Houston's going to rebuild, then again, I thought that that may be a reason why um, – excuse me, uh, Urban Meyer may have gone over there instead of Jacksonville, but I totally understand why Trevor Lawrence and whatnot. So that's yep. another talk. But um, yeah, so Tua and yes, it would take definitely that first round draft pick this year, which would be the third pick overall, which is what they had traded for with Laramie Tunsil, which yep. is what you were referring to. So that would be great. And I think that I wonder if that would be enough. Maybe they'd have to add on, you know, a second round pick, you know, the, the next year. What yeah. would it be? But I think that would work for both teams. And that would put Miami in a position like, boom, right away. Yeah, they're for real. You know, they can even, you know, obviously get him with the Bills now big time, as they even did this year with Tua. But just to say about Tua, I like, I like Tua. 
uh, I talk about it with Damian on my show on 33 podcast on Wednesday nights that in college in Alabama, he was throwing the ball down the field and he had a very high completion percentage. Yeah, it's college. It's different than pro football. Obviously, obviously then, you know, the coverage is much tighter when you're talking about the corners and the safeties who know what they're doing and whatnot. But the bottom line, he was accurate. Miami didn't really give him a chance to go through all that. And on the other hand, you can say that they didn't really have a chance to go through all that given COVID and the offseason this year. So I believe that Tua actually does have it after watching him this year. He has a very, you know, he doesn't throw interceptions. He holds on to the ball despite what happened in the Bills game in the last game of the season. It was obviously desperation mode. I didn't like the whole Ryan Fitzpatrick thing coming in to save the day. They obviously did not make the playoffs, but I think they got a guy with Tua. However, that trade would work out in my opinion. So I agree with that, and it will cost Houston a little bit more. One more team i got to throw at you who definitely has a quarterback issue now. Not that Dwayne Haskins was the guy, but surprisingly, he went to the Steelers. Alex Smith, don't know if he's going to come back. We like what we saw with uh, with uh, uh, Tynicky. I can't even pronounce his last name. It's ter- I'm terrible with that. But what about Deshaun Watson on the Washington football team? That's one that I don't hear and one that I think would be amazing and make them an instant, you know, I mean, I know they won the division this year, but they would be definitely the favorites next year and to go into the playoffs and maybe even make some noise with that defense. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think, I think that's a great, I think that's a great shout. I mean, Alex, Alex Smith, almost certainly, you know, comeback player, comeback player of the year. Right. That's fantastic story and all of that, but, it, but, it, but he's not, obviously he's not the long-term answer and, you know, Washington has to be looking for another quarterback. So what, you know, so why not Deshaun Watson? Yeah, exactly. I think I real I think that he would be great there. And I don't know if there's any talk behind the scenes. Again, I have no inside information about this whatsoever. But I think that that would be a wonderful fit. But maybe they want to go with Taylor Heineke. Is how I think you pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> giving it a shot over here. I'm, I'm the worst with that. They make fun of me on the show all the time. <laughs> so we talked about Tua. Um, you know, we talked about a company of the what the Saints may possibly do. Sam Darnold, you know, if Deshaun goes there, then Sam Darnold, you know, obviously would get traded to Houston if that would happen. But there's talk about maybe what if the Jets go with Justin Fields with the second pick. So if they get a quarterback, which personally I don't think they should do, I think they should at least give Sam Darnold more time. He hasn't been healthy, obviously, you know, with, with the mono and everything, and they have a bad team around them. So – I do have faith in him. Uh, I'm not saying that he's like a total star, but I would like to see more out of him, and I think they need to give him weapons. Obviously, what do you think happens with him? Yeah, well, I think I, th- I think I think that's a great shout because, uh, you know, any quarterback coming out of college, even even Trevor Lawrence, there's question marks. You know that you know you keep hearing generational talents and this kind of thing, and 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 that and that's and that's true. But but Justin Fields certainly has a bunch of question marks around him. Yeah, and, and you know, and he's not helped by certainly the recent Ohio State history of quarterbacks. You know, coming in coming into the NFL, Haskins mm-hmm. being being you know one of them. So if if I if I'm the Jets sitting there with that with that pick, would I pick Justin Fields and move on from Sam Darnold? To me, the answer is no. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think that's a different conversation than saying, would I trade for Deshaun Watson? Then, the, you know, the answer to that's yes. Yeah. Um, um, but, 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 you know, if I'm sitting there 
like you say, with that with that early pick as the Jets, and I haven't made that trade. Then I, then I'm looking to. Do, I would be looking to do something else with that pick, and and almost certainly you've got to imagine that there'll be other teams that will want to jump up into that slot to get to get field. So I think the Jets are sitting there with with a you know in a good position come the come the draft. Totally great. Totally agree. I think they're in a great spot right now. Obviously, if they can hang on to Sam Darnold. And again, Deshaun Watson, you know, we talk about a guy who's the top five quarterback in the NFL now in a generation of quarterbacks who are yep. just unbelievable. So, look, I mean, he's as good as they get. You can People compare him to Patrick Mahomes, and I don't even have a problem with that. I'm good with that. Um, here, I have an older quarterback who's still young enough to play and give you good years. He's had some health issues, but we know that he's finally leaving the team that drafted him number one from Georgia way back when, Matthew Stafford. Me, I've been hearing a lot of New England. I'm cool with that. That makes sense. I think even the Saints make sense. I don't know if Detroit would make that trade. You know, they got a new head coach now, new management, yada, yada, so on and so forth. So what do you think is the deal with Stafford? Yeah, I mean, every, every, everything that I'm hearing is is, is either the Patriots or, or Indianapolis. And, you know, in, in Indy sounds sounds like a – Sounds like a good fit to me. Yeah. Um, but you know, I it's going to depend on 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 what Detroit want for him. You know, um, it's very talent, very talented quarterbacks played on some not such great teams, shall we say, over the years with with the Lions. Um, but you know, I don't I don't think that I don't think Detroit's going to give him away. No, they're not going to give him away. Look, you're right. They're not going to give him away so easily. But they're also not going to get, obviously, as you know, like the Sean Watson type. Of yep. No, absolutely. Yeah, they'll get something back for him. And it'll be respective. Uh, you said Indianapolis. Definitely. I loved it when Rip, when they got Rivers uh, this year. I didn't think they were going to win the Super Bowl. I had them actually winning the division, which they didn't. They made the playoffs, lost to the Bills. Um, which we'll even talk about getting into them when we get into the conference championships a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, that, that's Stafford. I think those are definitely two great landing spots. I hope he doesn't end up in Philadelphia. That would be a mess. That's not a that you would, I, I would want. Yeah, I, yeah I, and, I, and that would surprise me. I think, you know, Philadelphia is in a bit of a mess at the quarterback position. Um, not least because, because of Wentz's contract position and, right. and and how you know they almost pretty much can't move on from him even if they wanted to yeah. um you know so that's so, so their question their question there is it is it Wentz or Jay or Jalen Hurts for the next couple of years um the, the the other the other place that that springs to my mind for Matthew Stafford again I haven't seen this anywhere and you know I have no indication that they're even looking for a quarterback would be the Cowboys mm-hmm. um so, so Matthew Stafford's from the Dallas area originally, and that you know the quarterback situation at Dallas is we don't know what's going to happen with 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 Dak Prescott, a with the injury, but also whether or not you know he's an unrestricted free agent, whether or not you know Dallas is prepared to to pony up a lot of money. I don't know what that money is, thirty five million a year, maybe I don't know, um, for a player who's injured. I just I I just don't know. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, and I know they've been showing him a whole lot of love. And look, obviously, when he was playing, he was playing great. I mean, you yep, really could. Absolutely. It wasn't, his, it wasn't his fault the Cowboys were yep. losing all yep. the defense. You know, we know that. 
So we know Dak is definitely, you know, up there as far as quarterbacks go. Um, yeah, I love what he does. And there's there's a lot of spots that he can go. You're right about that. But I think Dallas would maybe be dumb to give him away unless, again, he's going to be demanding, you know, this extra fifth year and everything. So, again, they've already offered him a lot of money and he denied it. Yeah. So, yeah, and uh, yeah, and I I absolutely agree. You know, if they if they if they can find a way to hang on to Dak, they have to hang on to him. The the, the only question mark for me is is they couldn't get him signed to a long term deal last year. Does that does that raise the the spectre of the fact that they wouldn't be able to get him signed to a long term deal this year? I don't I don't know. Yeah, and it kind of makes you think. Even if he wants to be there, that's another thing. You know, if you're off for thirty-five million dollars. I don't know how many people are going to turn that down a year to play a game that they love. But all right, you know, I'm not in his mind, and I certainly don't talk to him on a daily basis, so I'm not. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, there's been more. There's been a lot of talk also um, about Jared Goff. Now, I, it's hard for me to see him going anywhere. Obviously, he got a contract also. Um, I don't think that Wolford and him are really going to be in a competition. But then again, you never know. You have to go with the best guy out there. Yep. You know that Sean McVay is going to do that. And he's been dropping maybe little subtle hints. You know, Jared Goff is our guy right now. He's our quarterback today. You know, not saying anything about the immediate or even distant future from now about Jared Goff. I wasn't in love with him when he came out of college. He went to the Super Bowl, obviously. Um he played great the first half of the year. The second half of the year was really all defense. And then I saw a decline out of him. But overall, he's a pretty good quarterback. So I'm not going to destroy him for that. But I'm not in love with the guy. And it appears that the Rams really aren't in love with him either. So I, I think he stays here. But what are your thoughts on it? You know, I, 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 think, I think you're right. I mean, it feels like his career plateaued off that Super Bowl year. It almost plateaued off at the Super Bowl. And, yeah, and, point. yeah, huh. yeah, and um, yeah. I mean, I I feel about him the same way that you do. I, I think a team can win with him if he has the right tools around him. And yeah, you can say that about any quarterback. But he he doesn't feel like a guy that's going to take a team to the next level. You know, a guy that's going to take an average team to the to the next level. He doesn't feel like a winner to me. I think you can win with him, but he doesn't feel like a winner to me, if, the, if that makes sense. It does. It does. You know, absolutely, it makes sense. I, I think that was kind of like we saw that during their Super Bowl run. Again, you know, he he didn't have that defense. They would have gone nowhere near it. Even the offense was clicking. Everything was working beautifully for a while. Then defenses started figuring it out, watching tape, and Todd Gurley wasn't Todd Gurley anymore. And now they got, you know, they had problems. They've been looking for a running back ever since. And I like what they got in Cam Akers, but we're talking about Jared Goff here. All right, we got a couple of minutes left in this segment, but I want to talk about a few more teams and maybe even going after the break before we get to conference championships. We're going to talk about a few Super Bowls, Brady, what he's done, talk about some of our favorite moments and things like that. Um, maybe a couple of teams before the break over here. We talked about the Colts. We talked about the Eagles. We talked about Washington a little bit. What about the Raiders situation? Now they're in a spot, you know, they got Carr for, I, I forgot how many years left on his contract or whatnot, but if John Gruden is still in love with him, I'm not saying Marcus Mariota is the guy necessarily to come up and do it over there, but I don't know, and I don't think Raiders fans really believe that Carr is the guy anymore. They haven't done anything they had one good year at 12 and four and they were, had, they were knocked out of the playoffs immediately by Houston. I believe it was, 
or the, or the second round. I can't remember exactly. It was going back like four or five years ago. But, you know, it's like maybe enough is enough. We need to find somebody. What do you think about the Raiders here in a couple of minutes? Yeah, no, I, th- I, th- I think that's very true. I think, again, you know, Carl looks like a, like a guy that's going to lead you so far to, to around the playoffs area. Yeah, so, so a wild card spot, the number seven seed or the number six seed or just miss the playoffs. You know, he's, he's good enough to get you that far. But again, it doesn't feel like he's a guy that's going to lead you to the promised land that's going to take a team to, to the Super Bowl. Now, obviously, there aren't there aren't so many of those so many of those guys around, and it's it's a difficult one to move on from a guy that you think is probably at a playoff level, um, because you're always taking a chance. Then you know whether you draft somebody or trade for somebody, you're always taking taking a chance. But John Gruden's very unpredictable. You know, you can be his you can be his guy one week, and 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 two weeks later he could bench you. Yep. So, so nothing would surprise me with 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 Gruden you know he grew up you know as a young coach around Brett Favre when Brett Favre was at his peak so I'm not talking about super interception Brett Favre at the at the back end of his career he, he grew up with Brett Favre in the Mike Holmgren era and and, and for me I, I suspect that Gruden's still trying to find that next Brett Favre in his own head mm, you may be right man I mean look I can't disagree I, I, I like Carr but again like you said Maybe just not that guy good enough to take you to the next level. We're going to be talking next level when we get back. We're going to take a really quick break. 60 seconds. You're listening to Power 32, baby. Power 32 podcast. My man Peter Jones in the house hanging out overseas. We'll be back in 60 seconds. Don't go anywhere. podcast with my man peter jones in the house from overseas baby so far so good my man feeling all right yeah i'm I'm good but i'll tell you what all this time in lockdown i think my hips are lying (laughs) (laughs) that was good man well done well done you see uh very witty that's what i love i love right there witty people just come up with everything right off the bat that's my man way to go brother way to go All right, back on the Power 32 podcast. Again, my special guest, Peter Jones from the UK, doing his thing over here, helping me out and figuring out who's going to win the Super Bowl later on. But we still got some more talk. Peter, one more team that I got to ask you about uh, is before we get to the conference championship games, I want to talk to you a little bit about many other things, obviously. But the Carolina Panthers, um, I'm a big Bridgewater fan as far as He's a good player, great person, very unlucky as far as the way his career started with injuries and everything going back to Minnesota and all that stuff. But um, with Matt Rule there and, you know, I guess McCaffrey coming back and it having to be a new regime once Luke Keekley left, that defense went 
kaputs. So they got to, you know, rebuild that whole thing. I, Teddy Bridgewater is just, I guess, a stopgap quarterback. Do they try to find somebody this year or maybe ride it out one more year with Bridgewater? So, so I, I would expect them to ride it out with Bridgewater. I, I think, and it's difficult to know where somebody's career is going to go, particularly, you know, a guy that suffered that serious an injury that put him out for two years. Um, but I, I still think there's a next, it feels like to me there's a next level yet to come from Teddy Bridgewater. And I, and I think I might be wrong, and, and only and only and only time will tell. Um, but I, but it, it still feels to me like that's a guy that you can win with. Okay, all right, and that, hey, that's not the first time I heard it. And I, I'm on your side as far as yes, you can definitely win with him. And if, when he stepped in for the Saints last year, when Breeze was out, five and zero. Oh, I mean, you know, what more do you want from a guy? And you know, they're the quote unquote game managers and everything. And Sometimes, yeah, he can fit into that position. But if you want somebody who's not going to turn the ball over and methodically be able to move down the field with a good defense, yeah, you can win with him. I just don't know if Carolina's going to be the place. We'll see. But that was a good analysis. I like that from you. All right, I wanted to just uh, hit on that team real quick because I'm a big Teddy B fan, but I do wonder what's going to happen with his careers. But here we go. We got (laughs) – Hey, we saw the conference championships, man. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl in a minute, which it just amazes me that Tom Brady is there again, and it's on a different team and a different conference in his first year. It blows my mind. We'll get to that in a minute, but let's talk about the game that um, that the AFC game that came after that. Then we'll get into the NFC game. The Chiefs' bills, I, it's like a whole reminder of last year. You know, the Chiefs are down in the beginning, and then before you know it, they're up by halftime by 50 points. So, same thing, you know, the, the Bills get lucky. McCole Harmon, he fumbles the ball. They send up scoring a touchdown out of it. They're up 9 nothing. mixed extra point. That's why it shouldn't even be called football. They can't kick extra points. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But then the second half comes, and you know, before and before you know it, it's 21-9, and you felt like the game was already over. Just as soon as Patrick Mahomes, they could just turn it on whenever they want. Yep. And that's what's scary because, again, real quick before you get into it, man, uh, you know, watching the Super Bowl last year, and again, I'm a 49er fan. We're up by 10 in the fourth quarter. I was by no means like, oh, we're good. We got this, man. We're good to go. No, it's still Patrick Mahomes, and we had the best defensive line in the league by far, and maybe one of the best defensive lines that has been around for a long time, and still he was able to get the job done. And when you got Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey is open all day over the middle, and I had to send out a tweet to Buffalo fans, and I got retweeted like 5,000 times. Like, do you know that Kelsey is open over the middle? <laughs> There's nothing that you can do against them, apparently. No team has really been able to stop them. And I know the Chiefs haven't been a scoring machine lately, but they put up 38 points in the conference championship game when they needed to. And that's just them, man. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I, I think they haven't been a scoring machine because they haven't needed to be. Right you, know, you, right. you you know you get the feeling that if they if they had to put up 50 points they'd put up 50 points. Right. And and you know you hit the nail on the head when you look back to last year's Super Bowl. Um you only had to look at what Mahomes did throughout the playoffs leading up to the Super Bowl last year that you just felt that he was going to bring them from behind to win. Mm-hmm. And and I have to say looking at you know at the AFC Championship game the other day and whilst the scoreline was relatively close in the end 14 points to, to me I, I was quite disappointed with Buffalo yes um yeah I, I, in two ways I guess I, I think Josh Allen didn't play to the level of his 
hype might be too strong a word because he had because he had an excellent season, but he mm-hmm. didn't play. He didn't play to the level that perhaps we we would hope have hoped for or expected. And you know, the Buffalo defense, Leslie Frazier's defense, they didn't come up with a way to to stop Kansas City. And I, and I know that that's easier said than done, but but you know you have to stop them. You know you can't. Even just giving up 38 points, you're not going to win many games giving up 38 points. No, you're not. And it's funny you say that because there was actually a stat I heard that in the nine games that Patrick Mahomes has lost in his professional career, which is now, what, three, you know, three full years, blows my mind already, that the, the team who won, who beat the Chiefs, they scored an average of 36 points. You're exactly right on what you said there. And you nailed it. I was talking about it yesterday on the show. Josh Allen who I love. I loved him coming out of college. I was one of the few, and I, I didn't think that he would even grow into the great quarterback that he was this year, but I think still even the sky's the limit for the guy, but he didn't play well all, all playoffs, to be honest with you. Uh, just even talking about this game, their touchdown was because they were at the freaking three-yard line, you know, in the beginning. You know, that wasn't even an offensive touchdown. It's basically a defensive touchdown. When you go back to um, uh, the game before against Baltimore, there's a defensive touchdown in that. They only scored 17 points, so one offensive touchdown from the Bills. And they almost lost to Indy in the wild card round, where Indianapolis looked like the better team to me. Yeah. So I loved the Bills all year, and I loved Josh Allen all year, and Leslie Frazier and Shormick and everything you said. But you're right about, about Allen. He almost reverted back to not as far as you know last year against Houston, not that sort of mess, but he didn't look great. And Leslie Frazier's defense – did not figure it out at all. They couldn't understand. I mean, there was like, it was supposed to be all gap coverage during the game. That went away. There was nothing that they could do. And that's what scares me about this Chiefs offense in almost any defense. It almost seems like they can do it again, any team that they want. But also, the defense for the Chiefs, we always talk about them in the regular season. Well, are they going to be good enough in, you know, to get to the Super Bowl? They always ramp it up in the playoffs, and they did, again, big time against Buffalo. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And, and you're right. I mean, we talk about, we talk about Kansas City and their, and their offense. But their the defense has been better this year. And it's, you know, again, it's complementary football, isn't it? They, they, they have a defense that's good enough good enough to win with um it's not a defense that's gonna gonna kill them you know it's not like they've got the number one ranked offense and they have to put 50 points up because they've got the 32nd ranked defense you know they're not in that in that situation by by you know by any stretch of the imagination and and uh, you know you look across the board at their defense there's good players at every level you know and and the secondary i think is excellent and you know obviously tyron matthew um, Sneed, the corner. Yeah, I, I think there's good players across that across that defense, and and yeah, I guess that kind of gets hidden hidden by how fantastic the offense is. Absolutely. I, and listen, you said Tyron Matthew. I think he's the defensive player of the year, and I, I don't hear anybody mentioning that, but he really has been all over the place all year long and doing his best work in the playoffs. And there you go again, finding themselves in the Super Bowl really beating up the Bills, the, st- the score doesn't tell the story and of what the game really was. I mean, you know, halftime, the game was already over. It was 21-12. Buffalo sneaked in a little field goal over there. They get their onside kick later on. But, again, it was a joke and bad job of coaching, you know, as far as, like, 
two-point conversions are concerned and stuff like that. Special teams wasn't good all the way around except for that lucky one they got in the beginning. So I, that, that was the AFC, the Chiefs. They are back. Um, I didn't. I wasn't rooting for anyone necessarily, Peter. Um, it would have been cool to see the Buffalo Bills back and you know Josh Allen, brand new quarterback. But the Chiefs are showing why they're the defending champions in either the Buck and we thought it was going to be the Bucks or the Packers. I thought it was going to be the Packers, bro. To be honest mm-hmm. with you, I thought they were going to end up pulling away in the fourth quarter. Is what I predicted before the game. But Tampa outplayed them. I want to throw it to you. The most amazing thing that I saw throughout that game and it really picked up at the end of the first quarter, second quarter was Tampa Bay secondary. That's the reason why there were so many sacks at what five, six sacks. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. I yep. mean, those were covered sacks, you know, JPP uh, coming off the end and everything like that. To me, that's where that game was won because Carlton Davis and other guys like that had a great game in the secondary to start off. And that's why Shaq Barrett and JPP were able to get to Aaron Rodgers and make the game uncomfortable. Yeah, and it's been a you know, it's been a question mark for the Packers all season around, you know, who is that second wide receiver, who is that third wide receiver? You know, it's yeah. it's, it's, it's okay having Devontae Adams and fantastic season that he's had, um, but you you've got to have a se- a consistent second guy, a consistent third target, and you know the Packers have struggled with that really all season long, you know, and it goes back to all the questions about the draft that are for another show. Um, but, <laughs> but no, I, you, you're absolutely right. And, and I, my feeling going in was that that, that NFC game was always going to be a close game. I, yeah. I, I, I edged towards the Packers, but I'm a Packers fan. So I would, um, but I, but I always thought it was going to be a close game. Um, and I think the Packers will always look back on that on that game as, as opportunities missed one big opportunity, but also, you know, many, many opportunities through throughout the game where, um, you know, Rogers had a good game, but he didn't have a great game. You know, his stats were great, but he, yeah. but, but he, but he, but he missed, he missed some, you know, he, he, he missed some, he missed Lazard wide open over the middle when he threw to the back of the end zone for Adams. Could yes. he, could he have run that in on third down? Quite probably, if not, it had got it had, it had got to the two yard line or the three yard line, and you know you got fourth and goal from the three rather from rather than from the eight. That makes a huge difference. You know they they after after the two interceptions there in the third quarter, you know the Packers went three and out both times. There's a whole bunch of opportunities that that, that they missed, and I think you know they will regret that. Absolutely. I felt like during the game, the Bucks in the fourth quarter were like, here, you want the game? Yep. Here's the chance. Take it. Go for it. I totally agree with you. The Packers had so many opportunities. And, you know, obviously, again, when you talk about that play with Rodgers, he sh- I-, I don't know why he threw the ball, especially into double coverage. Yeah. It didn't make any sense to me. There was nobody there. When you look at every camera angle, he could have easily ran it to the corner of the end zone for a touchdown problem. So I don't know what was going through his head at that point. Horrible pass. Then there was confusion about, oh, we're going for a fourth down. We're not. Kicking the field goal didn't make any sense so, to me. So, you have to score a touchdown anyway. Why go to the back? You know, so, you're at the yard line, Peter. So why don't you score a touchdown now and go for the two-point so, conversion as opposed to having uh, to do it all over again so, without the two-point conversion? I, I, yeah, the, the words almost almost failed me. And and, and I and I tweeted as it, as it was happening that I felt, 
and this might seem like an overstatement, but I felt it was one of the worst coaching decisions that I'd seen in the in my 43 years of following football. It, it, it absolutely made no sense whatsoever on, on, so, on so many levels. And, and even if you want to throw in the analytics and throw this in and throw that in, what you're basically saying is I'm going to take the ball out of my hands, you know, take the ball out of the hands of the MVP quarterback yep. and put it in basically the hands of a defense that's not stopped anybody all year. And, we, and we've got to, you know, we've got to prevent the Bucks getting a single first down. And I, I would have bet my mortgage on the Bucks finding a way to get one first down. You know, <laughs> you, you just can't do that. You can't. You can't throw away that opportunity. And you know, particularly in the knowledge, is there's a there's a really good chance you never get the ball back. Right. Right. And you know what? From a football perspective, because I again, I I wanted Aaron Rodgers to get there. I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Actually, there's a uh, conversation I want to get to you with that. But I was absolutely just like you pissed off blown away yelling at the tv i cursed on my show like crazy yesterday which i never do <laughs> i couldn't believe one that rogers didn't throw uh, didn't run it in but two the fact that they went for the field goal there again you're already at the eight yard line go for the touchdown there as opposed to yes with all the analytics and everything that you went over having to try to march down the field again with how much time to there was two minutes when they did that so yep. It makes no sense. And again, St. Pierre going back to St. Brown, excuse me, going back to that, you got to catch that two-point conversion if you want to make it a game. Yep. I mean, that, that that was huge. And another thing that people aren't talking about real quick before we get off of this one, the fact that Aaron Jones fumbled the ball twice in the first quarter, and he wasn't hurt. He was taken out of the game because he fumbled the ball twice in the most important game of their season, and that hurt the entire game plan of the Packers tremendously. Aaron Jones is the top five player at his position. He's an amazing player in football altogether. And without him going with A.J. Dillon, the rookie, and Jamal Williams, who's limited in things that he can do, even though he's a good player, that, that had to kill him, Peter. That was a killer. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And, and you know, the fact that Jones is going to leave as a free agent, almost certainly, because I, I don't see any way the Packers pay him the money that, that, that he deserves, is, is, is going to raise a whole bunch of question marks for the Packers ne- next year. Because you're absolutely right. Jamal Williams, who's also a free agent but could be back, you know, is a good back, but he's not at that, you know, top five level by any stretch of the imagination. And, and, no. and, and you know, and, and Dylan's a rookie and a completely different type of back as well. And, yeah, Aaron Jones not being in the game just makes a huge difference. Absolutely. I mean, you know, he gets, again, lost because Devontae Adams is incredible and, of course, Aaron Rodgers is incredible and all that stuff. But, yeah, he, he gets lost in the conversation. He's somebody who really can close games out for you, and they never had that opportunity because he was on the bench after that second fumble, and that's a tragedy in itself. But what leads to everything is just a story that you can't even write, bro. I mean, Tom Brady with the Patriots, hmm. and they won. Basically, it felt like he won a Super Bowl in his first game that he ever played is what it felt like. And now – all these years later, yeah, did I think they would go to the playoffs? Absolutely. Did I think they would win the division? Possibly. I did pick the Saints, and that's what happened, but whatever. I really didn't think Super Bowl possibility, yeah, okay, but, dude, here he is again. All they really did, because Antonio Brown was out of the game for this one, but he did start coming along and clicking. Tom Brady, the three interceptions, I would put two on him for sure. One, I'm not so sure. Mike Evans maybe should have caught the other one. That's a whole other story, but 
This guy, unbelievable. He just goes to a new team, no offseason, no nothing. They're doing everything through freaking Zoom and all this crap. And here he is in his 10th Super Bowl. Peter, I am... I'm 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 blown away. You can't you can't write this stuff and have people believe it, but it's happening before our very eyes. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely, and it, you know, and it's kind of in vogue to say you know Brady's old and he's got no arm and he's just a system quarterback and he he wouldn't have won without Belichick, etc., etc., etc. Well, he continues to win. Yeah, and, and and you can say well he's got the defense, he's got this, and he's got that. It don't make any difference. He continues to find a way to win, and that's what great players do. You know, when when the games are on the line, when the championships are on the line, when it really matters the most, he finds a way to win. And that's, you know, this, there's very little more you can say about it. He, he finds a way to win. He, he does. And, you know, it's like somehow, even though I don't, we'll get to it, I don't think that if they win the Super Bowl this year, if he decides to retire, which he probably won't because he loves the game and he's still yep. so great. I mean, just imagine, again, the story, the movies that you can write. I mean, you can do actually a series on it for like 10 seasons about what Tom Brady's career has been like and, you know, adding the fact into Belichick. But just again, yeah, he goes to a team that was seven and nine, seven and nine last year. A quarterback, yes, he turned the ball over like crazy. I'm not a Winston fan, not by any means. Um, I wasn't out of college. I couldn't, I couldn't believe he was drafted number one, but that's another story altogether. But Tom Brady is a guy who I've always respected and said, yeah, he belongs in the in the top conversation as far as the GOAT. I don't think that at this point you can say that there's been anybody who's been better at the position than Tom Brady. However, I don't think he's the best quarterback who's ever played the game. He's just – but then again, Peter, I don't know. Maybe he freaking is. But I, I've seen – to me, Aaron – look. It was John Elway because, you know, you and I go back a little bit more than some of the younger folks I talked to. To me, John Elway was like, oh, my God, I've never seen anybody who can do everything that John Elway did. And I was a Joe Montana fan. And then you see other quarterbacks come along and you saw Aaron Rodgers, um, Brett Favre, and then Aaron Rodgers. I'm like, Aaron Rodgers is it. I'm like, there's no way anybody can be better than him possibly with all the gifts that he had and everything. Here comes Patrick Mahomes. But at the end of the day, Tom Brady has been to 10 Super Bowls and he's won six of his going to his 10 Super Bowl and won six. Yep. I don't think that you can even argue anymore. Yeah, it's it's, it's difficult to argue. And, and, I, and I am a great believer. It's, you know, you have to be good enough in the regular season to get to the playoffs. But, you know, the the real mark of players is how well they play when it's playoff time, when it's championship time. And, yeah, like you say, I mean, I you know, we grew up with with the great arm that Elway had, the great arm that, that, that Dan Marino had. I never thought I'd see in my lifetime, that's probably exaggerating, but certainly for a number of years, a championship level quarterback at the level to equal Joe Montana. Because you yeah. because as somebody who wasn't a forty ers fan but growing up watching football, you always felt I always felt that Montana would lead his team to win. Mm-hmm. And he played the biggest, you know, the, his best games or many of his best games when they really counted. Um, but, you know, you, Brady is at that level. He is. He might not have the physical skills of some of those other guys. 
You know, he can't throw as pretty a ball probably as Aaron Rodgers. He can't throw it as far as John Elway did, et cetera, et cetera. But he just finds a way to win. And, and it's, it, he just always finds a way to win. You said it. And I, and I don't always know how it's done. I go back to the beginning of his career when, uh, yes, he, I believe that those first three championships were defensive championships. But I can't take away from what Brady did. You know, he didn't deserve the MVP in the first Super Bowl against the Rams. It's just they couldn't give it to a defensive player. They couldn't figure out which one yep. to give it to. So whatever. But then he really emerged. When he got Randy Moss and he finally had a big-time receiver and they each broke rec- single-season se- single records in that one year, I'm like, it's just amazing. Like, he can bring in anybody and work with anyone. And the whole big thing was always he never had a big-time receiver to throw to. It was like these little guys like Wes Welker and Danny Amendola and whatnot. But like you said, always got the job done. Never a stellar running game. Had Corey Dillon for a while. Things were cool. The Garrett Blunt a little bit here and there. But nothing except for really defense and Tom Brady's genius and his arm. And you're right. He doesn't have all these athletic abilities that other quarterbacks did. Like I said, I go back to you, you mentioned Dan Marino and John Elway. And I think about Jim Kelly, of course, Joe Montana. I think about Troy Aikman's really not in my conversation. Steve Young for me, not just because I'm a Niner fan, but the fact that he was one of those first, you know, dual threat quarterbacks yeah. for real. You know, yeah. it, it, he was totally legit. And Peyton Manning comes along. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's like a coach on the field. I never seen nothing like it. But Tom Brady owned his ass all the time. It was just over and over again. And I love Peyton Manning. And Tom Brady is not my favorite quarterback. But, again, I just don't think that you can argue. But I, I got to ask you, you know, like Tom Brady, look, we've we just bowed our heads to this deity of, of a football player that he is. But – other than him, and, you know, you and I, you know, we're lucky to be around and see those great quarterbacks who were drafted in the 80s and, you know, some of the, like, the Rogers throwbacks or Terry Bradshaws or whatever, but who, who was, who were, like, some of the best or maybe even the best that you had ever seen in your life? So, um, so, so, so my best, and obviously I'm not that old, I didn't get to see him play live, Will is Johnny Unitas. Okay, right, right, and and a part of that is because I got to know Raymond Berry a little bit, and 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 you know, Raymond talked you know obviously glowingly about about Johnny Unitas and 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 all the things that you didn't see about the level of practice, two minute drills, et cetera, et cetera. But put Johnny U to 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 one side because we didn't see him play live. Um, Growing up for me, and and until and still to this day, it's Joe Montana, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and Tom Brady is right up there with him. But I, I just feel like if anybody's if anybody plays at Joe Montana's level, then you've got a you know a damn great quarterback, and that's kind of 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 the level that I look to, a, a, you know, the peak of quarterback in in my time, my forty odd years of following football and there's been lots of lots of great other ones Brady obviously and Marino and Elway and Brett Favre in his early years with the Packers was good very good you know good enough to win three MVPs in a row that's right um and Steve Young um so so for me it's Montana in this era so you go back to this let's start at around 1980 onwards for me it's Montana and Brady, and then there's a group just below that, which includes some of those names I've mentioned. 
Right, no doubt. Yeah, that makes sense. And the whole Montana thing, obviously, four and over Super Bowl, so you look at perfection, like you can make the juxtaposition to basketball with Michael Jordan being 6-0 and in championships and LeBron James going to many more championships and not winning as many. And the same thing kind of in football with, uh, you know, with Tom Brady and some of the other guys. But, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, yeah, with his, you know, one Super Bowl, you know, like it's almost like you need two. And that yeah. fight means is Eli Manning better than, you know, Aaron Rodgers. And I don't judge quarterbacks on their Super Bowls. But when you look at the perfection, and again, like you mentioned, performing in the biggest yep. and best that's what it's all about. So we talk, you talk about Joe Montana and Tom Brady being your one-two, which I'm not going to argue with. They're not my one-two, but I have no problem with that. They're not the big athletic, athletic guys who can run around, who they didn't have the strongest arm in the entire world, but they knew how to win the game. That's why they're the two best. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And with, and with Montana, you knew how to win. And you always felt, as a fan watching, that he was going to lead his team to win. And and so it wasn't a question of can he do it. It was it was I know he's going to do it. You know, (laughs) you know that that Super Bowl, uh, the Cincinnati, the second Cincinnati Super Bowl, when you know he didn't have the greatest game he'd he'd ever had, Um, and I think Rice won the MVP that game. But but that I think it was a ninety-two yard drive at the end of the game to win that game, and you just knew that you just knew. That with the game online, that he was going to drive that ball down the field and and, and they were going to win. Um, it may have not felt like that as a 49ers fan. You may have been on the ed- <laughs> you may have been on the edge of your seat, but but for some for yeah. somebody like me who was a neutral, I just knew he was going to. And yep. and that's the difference between can he do it or he will do it. And exactly. you know, and 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 that was it for me with Montana. And the other thing I always felt. And yes, he had some, you know, obviously with with the likes of Jerry Rice, kind of a little bit later in Montana's career, you know, he had some great, great players around him. But you always felt that he raised the level of those players around him as well. And that it's that's an intangible thing that you can't measure. But the great players do that. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Yep. Like like in basketball, LeBron James makes everybody better around him, you know, because He's that good, and he can, obviously he'll get other people open. And, and there's, a, there's so much to it, and you're right. And we can go on forever about these even minute details that go into it. And again, a guy like Aaron Rodgers who will catch you with 12 men on the field, or he'll be able to get you offside on a third and four or, or whatever it is. And just these little things that these other quarterbacks have that the other ones don't and maybe aren't born with or can't adapt to or whatever it is, but – it is amazing to watch some of these guys. It's just incredible. And I think that right now we're in really good shape with quarterbacks. I mean, it's funny how we're talking about quarterbacks moving here and over there, left and right. But with Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow is going to be coming back, we'll see two of Deshaun Watson's young, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. All these guys are so young. And there's a few that I left out, obviously. We're in really good shape with quarterbacks for the future. So that's always one thing you want to make sure you have and the NFL wants to protect. And they're doing a pretty good job at that. Yeah. And it's, and it's you know, it's the passing era, certainly. It's not just a passing league. It's a passing, it's a passing era right now. It sure is. It, sure is. It, it, it absolutely is passing, man. You know what? Look, I, I love pure football. I'll take a 15 to 13 49ers, uh, even a loss to the Giants in the NFC Championship game when just – 
pure defense. I loved it when Pittsburgh and Baltimore, you know, Palomalu and Ed Reed and Holodinata and uh, all these guys, you know, oh, God, it, it was so great. <laughs> but you know what? Football still is great. And what we're seeing now is the brand new GOAT coming into the league. He's not obviously the GOAT, but again, in Patrick Mahomes against the real GOAT and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. You just, again, you can't write a script better than this. I've seen so many great Super Bowls, as have you. I try to think of, like, the best one I've ever seen in my life. And there's a lot that comes to my mind. You know, one when the Giants obviously took away the Patriots. You know, perfect season yep. at 18-1. I mean, unbelievable defense. What a great game plan, obviously. Uh, I love the Packers versus the Broncos back in 1990. <laughs> Super Bowl. Even a few years ago, New England versus Philadelphia. There was no defense, yep. but so much excitement so i love that but is is there one that kind of like comes to your mind that says man that was wow <laughs> i mean th th there's a couple for me so one is a personal is a personal bias being a packers fan and that was super bowl 31 it wasn't it wasn't uh, the greatest game but i have to say growing up as a packers fan in the 70s and 80s i never imagined that i'd ever see the packers get to the super bowl you know that organization was a mess and you know it, it was something special to see the Packers get to the Super Bowl and win it. So Super Bowl 31, Desmond Howard's kickoff return in that, in that game will always be special. And, and, and then you think it's quite difficult because some of the Super Bowl, you, you're right about the Philadelphia New England one recently. That was, a, that was a high scoring, great game. But when I think back to, you know, the, the 80s and 90s, a lot of those Super Bowls were blowouts. Um, and, there, and, there was, yeah. and there was a huge period there where the NFC won about 15 in a row or some, ridic right. some ridiculous number. Yeah. One of my favorites, and it, and it turned out to be a blowout, was um, I guess it would be Super Bowl 19, the 49ers Dolphins. So that's the one. So that was Montana and Marino. Yep. And Montana was the, was the MVP. And you can tell from the way that I'm talking, I'm a huge Montana fan, but the, but the oh, thing yeah. that always, the thing that's always um, struck me about that game. And it was a great learning thing for me. And you talked about um, how good the Bucks secondary was against the Packers last week in that Super Bowl. you know, that Montana was the MVP, the 49ers secondary in that game, pretty much just shut down Dan Marino altogether, you know, yep. and that was a Marino had thrown for 5,000 yards and 48 touchdowns when, when those <laughs> were huge things to do. I mean, there's still huge things to do today, but back then, you know, he was the first to break, break that, break those numbers. You know, he had Duper and Clayton that were, that were scoring touchdowns for fun, but that 49ers secondary, um, Ronnie Lott, Eric Wright, Colton Williamson, Dwight Hicks, the four of the four, well, the four well, of those have just stuck in my mind for all of these years. Well, and, well. and and it's kind of the first time I guess I got a real appreciation for watching, you know, a, a, a defensive performance, which you wouldn't mm. necessarily think about from that 49ers team because we always think of Montana and Dwight Clark and Jerry Rice and Roger Craig and. You know, all 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 of those guys, yeah, John Tay, John Taylor, and, and, and you know Wendell Wendell Tay, all of those guys. But just that that was special. I, I don't I don't know why, but it's something that's always that's always stuck with me to show that you know even against the greatest passers in the game, you can come up with a defense to beat them.
That's right. That's absolutely right. And, you know, like that's kind of like what, um, you know, not that Jared Goff is one of the greatest passes of the game, but that offense was incredible that year. And New England, you know, only let them have three points, 13-3, uh, one of the most boring Super Bowls ever. So that's not going to be our list right there. But one that's on mine that was actually, you know, kind of recent. I guess we're talking, what, seven years ago, six years ago, Seattle, New England, when Malcolm Butler had the interception at the one-yard yeah. line. I mean, the whole game to me was fantastic. It was, you know, Seattle's up, then New England's up. It's like, oh, wow, you know, it's Tom Brady's going to go down to Russell Wilson, and Seattle's going to be this legacy going yeah. on forever and ever. Ever and obviously everybody's like, just why don't you let Marshawn Lynch run the ball in? But when you talk about again storybook endings that you can't write, Malcolm Butler rookie jumping in front of that ball because he studied the film and the tape, which is something that again that I love that nobody ever talks about. All the study that goes into it, no all the preparation. He knew exactly what play is coming, and that's why he jumped it, and they win the Super Bowl on that. And the expression on Tom Brady's face was absolutely priceless. <laughs> It was, it was fantastic. It really was. And that was another win where, you know, he did deserve MVP. You know, Julian Edelman got one. Maybe against the Falcons, they didn't deserve uh, that. I mean, that comeback is just incredible. I probably would have given the MVP to James White. But the, again, it shows that Tom Brady can win it with huge comebacks yeah. or just win it by three points at the end of a game with Adam Vinatieri. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's nice to have some close Super Bowls. Like I say, we grew up with lots of blowouts, really, in the in the 80s. Um, yep. And, yeah, yeah, it's been one or two. There's the, you know, there's the um, Rams and, 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 the, and the Titans, which was a very close Super Bowl. You know, the Titans nearly scoring right at the end of that game. Um, wasn't yep. such a great game, but, you know, it was a close finish, a tight, a tight finish. So it's nice, it's nice to have those. Yeah, it was a good fourth yeah. quarter. It definitely was. Like I, another one that'll come to mind is the 1990 when the Bills played the Giants. You know, came down right to the last play. Scott Norwood, right? Yeah. You know, wide right. Nobody ever heard from him again. You know, except for, you know. But yeah, these games come down to uh, that yeah. again. That's why I hate picking. In, in <laughs> the Absolutely, and you know, and how great a team was that Buffalo? Fan. Right. So there's like we're saying, there's no taking away from what the Buffalo Bills did. You know, the first Giants Super Bowl, then they lost to Washington, and they lost to those great Cowboy teams twice in a row. But you were saying, I mean, we're not going to hold that against Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and those guys. Absolutely not. I mean, to win four AFC championships in a row is 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 a pretty special thing. And when you look at the the roster, you know, you've mentioned Kelly and Thurman Thomas and. You know, Bruce Smith and, and Cornelius Bennett and all those guys that that Buffalo team had, that was a great team. Absolutely. I mean, how hard? I mean, yeah, we're talking about, you know, Brady and the Patriots. You know, they went to nine. Brady obviously going to his 10th. But for a team to go to four Super Bowls in a row in that era where it wasn't, you know, just Pittsburgh in the 70s and the Raiders where it's like, all right, one of them is going to win or the Dolphins earlier on, something like that. You know, these, this was an era where anybody could have stepped in. And if, you know, I talked to, we talked to younger people right now. And we said, yeah, Mark Rippon was the guy who beat uh, the Bills in that second Super Bowl in 1991, 1992, whatever it was. Yep. They would say, who? Why? Mark, <laughs> Mark what? But yeah, so think of some of the quarterbacks that have gone to Super Bowls. Rex Grossman, uh, Trent Dilfer, Mark Rippon. I mean, Rippon was actually a pretty good player. I'm yeah. not going to take I mean, he was actually pretty damn good, not for such a long time. But, 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's the point. What I make to everybody is that it's not all about the quarterback, Peter. You have to have a full team that is going to be able to come together and win because it does take all 11 guys on offense to make sure that that run to the right works correctly. It takes all 11 guys on defense to make sure that they don't get that third and long. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. And, and and that's why, you know, you have to take with a pinch of salt, as we would say, you know, when people start talking about, well, he's not a great quarterback because he didn't win a Super Bowl. Well, hang on a minute. You know, Dan Marino didn't win one. Jim Kelly didn't win one. Fran Tarkenton didn't win one. Yep. Warren, Warren Moon. Warren Moon. Yeah. Yep. There you go. You know, and, and then you throw in those names that you mentioned, the, 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 the Trent Dilfer, who won a quarter, who won a Super Bowl, um, Flacco, um, <laughs> you know, Brad Johnson at Tampa Bay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a number of those guys that did win a Super Bowl. You know, they were Shep in. They, yeah. Hostetler. Yeah. So, you know, they were in the right situation at, at, at the right time and did did a good enough job to win for their team. But yeah, so it absolutely proves it's not all about the quarterback. Exactly. And you can make that, you know, uh, same thing with the NFL draft. You know, where you land is so important. Like if Sam Donald had gone to a better team, not the New York Jets, he may be having a pretty good career right now, you know, like the model or whatever uh, like that. So, yeah, and that's so important. You know, I, I was doing something earlier in the season just looking at, at quarterbacks that went number one overall in the draft. You know, going back to 1970 when Bradshaw was the first overall pick. Mm. And, and you know, not many of those guys have gone on to have Super Bowl winning or Hall of Fame careers. You know, only three or four of them have gone on to the Hall of Fame. You know, Bradshaw and Troy Aikman and, and, and a couple of others. Right. But but part of that is exactly what you've just described. By the very nature of being the number one overall pick, the chances are you're going to a very bad team and you're, yeah. you're ending up in a very bad situation. So for all of the all of the hopes and, and whatever we have for Trevor Lawrence coming out, he's going to a bad football team. Mm-hmm. And, and nobody knows how that's going to work out. Exactly right. That's something that we're going to find out in whatever, seven months, yep. eight months from now, whatever it's going to be. If they do draft him, we're all pretty sure that's when it, that's what's going to happen. That's the reason why Urban Meyer is there. So we're going to find all of that out. Yep. And this is great. I, I love I love talking football so much. I love talking football with a guy like you who knows his history, you know, who's actually seen these games and not just, you know, read them in a book or watched a highlight on YouTube TV. So this is Peter. This has been a real pleasure, man. I got to tell you, I, I love talking football, like I said, and we can go back and talk about these guys that we've seen that today are a mystery and a myth to younger kids who are just all about the air raid offense type of stuff. You know, it, it's it's been a lot of fun, man. Uh, really I've, I've absolutely loved it, Jason. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. And I'd love to come talk some more football with you when when whenever you want me to. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. You know, at some time after the Super Bowl is over, I want to go through this. You know, I know that we didn't get a chance today because I got to got to save, uh, you know, all the breakdown for the third and three next week. But I definitely would love to have you back on maybe after the Super Bowl is over sometime and, and analyze it, man, because obviously, you know what you're talking about. But I got to save my pick. I got to save all that. stuff. <laughs> but I don't know if you wanted to throw yours out there. Be my guest. If you got it. Well, I, I guess my pick is 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 the Chiefs. And if it if okay. it if it weren't for Tom Brady, I would be even more certain that it would be the Chiefs. But I but I, I would go for the Chiefs by about seven. 
but, but so, okay, so a touchdown. Hey, look, if it's a touchdown type of game and not one where a team scores one late just to make it a touchdown game, I'll take it. I don't have a, you know, a team in the race over here. Yep. I don't have, I'm not rooting for anybody. So, again, I'm not giving away who I'm picking right now. We'll get down to it on third and three next week. But this has been Power 32 Podcast. And, bro, you brought the power, Peter. Thank you so much. Do me a favor. Let everybody know where they can find you, social media, Twitter, where everything. Because, uh, hey, man, look, if they want to talk some football, you might be that guy. Yeah, thank you. I- I've got a couple of Twitter handles. One is at ProFootHistory. And that, by its nature, is, you know, I'm tweeting mostly about pro football history. And then I've got another one, which is at the underscore IT underscore hedgehog, which is mainly it's mainly Packers and Brown stuff on there, mainly Packers stuff. But, yeah, by all means, you know, love for people to follow me on one or both of those would be great. Yeah, they, they follow both. I'm doing it, and I have every reason to. You guys heard it here, right here on the Power 32 podcast. Peter Jones, knowing his stuff, man. Hey, he's not even, even in this country, and he probably has forgotten more football than you guys will ever know over there. Peter, honestly, this has been awesome. We will definitely do this again, my friend. Thank you. It's been, it's been my pleasure, Jason. I absolutely enjoyed it. Loved it. Excellent. Excellent job. All right. Hey, guys, this has been the Power 32 podcast. For this Thursday, the week before the Super Bowl, we'll be back next week. And, of course, we got third and three coming up on Wednesday. All the predictions will be made then. Until then, we'll see you guys.